1: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, January 26, 2024. Ambassador Craig Murray joins us now. Uh, The ambassador, who is now a journalist, has uh, covered uh, the case of South Africa versus Israel in the International Court of Justice uh, as a journalist, uh, as a citizen, and as a former diplomat. Uh, He is here uh, to uh, discuss with us and for you his observations uh, of uh, the oral arguments that were made in the court two weeks ago, as well as the rulings in the court today. Let's let's start at the end, because a lot of people are waiting to hear this, even though uh, the news is out there. Uh, This is not quite the vindication for South Africa that it had hoped. Uh, but it is a nearly unanimous ruling that Israel shall cease and desist and prevent any further acts aimed at killing or eradicating groups, otherwise known as genocide. So basically South Africa got the ruling that it wanted without the court using the word genocide. Do you agree with with my summary, uh, Ambassador Murray? Um, let's... Um... Largely right. I mean, it was a
2: partial victory for South Africa, but still a substantive one. Um, Israel's attempts to have the case dismissed on procedural grounds, which was the serious side of their of their presentation, uh, failed completely. And um, although the court didn't um, it didn't use the word ceasefire, and it perhaps it didn't use the word genocide, it did specifically. Um, order Israel to comply with Section 2 of the Genocide Act. So plainly, uh, you know, this is an order to cease genocide. Um, Against a background of an exposition of the facts, which was extremely damning of, of Israel's actions and made absolutely plain that the court simply did not believe assurances they'd been given by the Israeli government.
1: Let's go back uh, to the oral arguments when uh, you were one of the very few who were there uh, and able to hear them. Um, In in the U.S., of course, it was difficult to hear them, not because of technology, but because the mainstream media blocked uh, a lot of this. I believe mainstream media blocked a lot of the South African presentation in Western Europe as well. The Israeli presentation, of course, was available for everybody to see. Mainstream media and government attempting to put its uh, thumb on the scales of public opinion. That's nothing new to you or me or to the folks that are uh, watching us now. But from your vantage point in the courtroom, how powerful was the South African case and how well stated was it?
2: Um, It was extremely powerful and and meticulously well stated. It was all the more powerful because they, they explained to the court they had taken the decision not to use atrocity photos. Uh, they said that you know, they could have shown thousands of photos of, of uh, dead children and starving people, uh, but had decided not to do that on the grounds that this was a court of law and that their, their case was based on law and fact. And it wasn't a case of theater. Um, So they stated the case, and they set out uh, dreadful facts about numbers of of dead and mutilated children, for example, about uh, snipers firing into hospitals, about uh, women uh, deprived of the necessary care in childbirth, of people undergoing surgery without anesthetic. They set all this out. in a very stark, factual way, uh, with fact upon fact piling up. Uh, and similarly, with the uh, evidence of Israeli invocations to genocide by senior Israeli government officials, that was set out starkly and factually. Um, and it was more powerful for that. You know, But the lack of theatrics actually right. made it a much more powerful case, in fact.
1: And how uh, did the Israeli defense even make a dent in these claims or did it focus on what it argued was the impropriety of the case, the absence of jurisdiction, the absence of standing, the absence of harm to the complainant, rather than going to the merits of whether or not it engaged in genocide?
0: (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit
2: Carvana.com
0: or download the app
1: and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery,
2: there were um, two sides to the uh, Israeli case along exactly the lines you've identified. If you like, their serious effort was put in to uh, various arguments of jurisdiction and attacking South Africa's standing to bring the case and attacking whether or not uh, letters had been sent on time for uh, to establish a a dispute before the case was built. Uh, those kind of procedural arguments were where they were really putting in the effort. They then made um, a number of uh, statements uh, attempting to refute the South African case on genocide. Um, but I don't believe they expected those to be taken seriously. That they, they really were rather extreme statements. I mean, they they stated, for example that the reason so much civilian infrastructure and hundreds of thousands of homes had been destroyed uh, was not because of their action, but because of Hamas booby traps and misfired Hamas missiles. Uh, and they stated there were so many child casualties because Hamas was using child soldiers. And they stated that more food is now entering the uh into gaza than was able to enter before october the 7th um and and these are you know such claims which so wildly contradict everything on the public record from respected bodies in the united nations for example um that I don't think they expected those to be taken seriously by the court i think those were made for theatrical purposes those were made for propaganda what they expected the court to take seriously were their arguments of of jurisdiction and procedure
1: and they they lost uh on jurisdiction and procedure as i recall she didn't even give a vote on that it must have been 17 to nothing of the 17 judges on jurisdiction and procedure and that means that the Israeli judge, remember, South Africa got to appoint a judge and Israel got to appoint a judge. That means that the Israeli judge voted against his own country uh, on jurisdiction and procedure. That is, that the case was properly before the court, uh, that, the, that South Africa made a proper claim uh, and that the court had jurisdiction uh, over the claim. The, the, the judge, as I recall, didn't even give a vote on that, so I'm assuming it was seventeen to nothing. Uh, let's go to the actual uh, rulings. we'll uh, We'll start with the first one, Chris, that South Africa's claims are plausible and the court has jurisdiction.
0: In the court's view, the aforementioned facts and circumstances are sufficient to conclude that at least some of the rights claimed by South Africa and for which it is seeking protection are plausible. This is the case with respect to the right of Palestinians in Gaza to be protected from acts of genocide and related prohibited acts identified in Article Three, and the right of South Africa to seek Israel's compliance with the latter's obligations under the Convention. The court then turns to the condition of the link between the plausible rights
1: claimed by South Africa and the provisional measures requested. Stated in English, because South Africa and Israel are both members of the United Nations, and this is the United Nations highest court, because South Africa and Israel have both signed the Convention Against Genocide, South Africa is a proper party to file a complaint, and the court has jurisdiction over that complaint, over South Africa, and over Israel. And again, Ambassador, I didn't hear her give a number, so I can only assume it was unanimous. One of the judges could have remained silent and not voted, but she didn't give a number on that. Uh, However, it's really, even though the Israelis spent so much time on it, it's a specious argument to suggest that the highest court in the land doesn't have jurisdiction over something happening in the land, particularly when the two parties, South Africa and Israel, consented to jurisdiction at the time they signed uh, the treaties. Agreed? Yeah, but that's
2: true. And Article 9 of the convention specifically say, says that if there is a dispute between two parties to the convention as to whether a genocide has taken place, then that dispute will go to the International Court of Justice. So, uh, I mean, I thought the South African arguments were, were pretty desperate, and, and I'm not surprised there wasn't uh, a vote on it. South Africa's main argument was that uh, sorry, Israel's main argument uh, was that the South Africans failed to try to reach an agreement with them uh, in advance of going to the International Court of Justice. But it nowhere in the convention says you has to. And, uh, and plainly me that wasn't very likely to happen.
1: Right. I mean, that's a standard legal argument. If you're in court with an adversary and the judge says, did you two try and work this out by yourselves? And both lawyers say, well, no. Okay. Go out in the hallway and try and work it out. But this is not that type of case. This is a case involving life and death. This is a case involving deaths uh, of millions. This is a case that seeks or sought and, and received and begged for and received uh, immediate relief. Chris, let's go to the rulings. The, uh, the first ruling, 15 to 2, is that Israel shall take all measures to stop the killing of members of a group just because they're in the group, that is to stop murdering Palestinians, to stop committing bodily harm on people just because they're Palestinians, to stop the physical destruction of their property just because they're Palestinians, this by 15 to 2. Here's the presiding judge.
0: I shall now read out the operative part of the order. For these reasons the court indicates the following provisional measures. One, by 15 votes to two, the state of Israel shall, in accordance with its obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the Palestinians in Gaza, take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of Article II of the Convention, in particular, A, killing members of the group, B, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group. C. Deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. And D. Imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group.
1: Pretty clear what they're doing. Uh, they, they, they said what South Africa wanted them to say. Of course, they didn't use the word genocide, but I'll let you expand and expound on this, Ambassador, when you're talking about killing people in a group just because they're in the group, non-combatants. it's pretty obvious what they're talking about. What do you think?
2: I think that's absolutely plain. And um, earlier in the judgment she had gone through, and she had said there were over 25,000 people dead, uh, over 70,000 people maimed, and she uh, referred to innocent. Uh, civilians, uh, and to the destruction of infrastructure, which of course is also covered by that ruling where, where it talks of uh, you know uh, making conditions of life that make it impossible for people to continue. So um, no, I mean, this is extremely important because plainly, court doesn't make an order like that uh, if it doesn't believe That there is at the very least a danger that the person, the order, or the state the order is being made against uh, might indulge in that behavior. The court court doesn't just make an order like that for no no reason. And uh, in my view, um, listening to the tone and balance of everything that was said leading up to that point um, uh, led me to think that the court is minded to find. Uh, genocide in the substantial case you know believes more than just that there 's a plausible risk of genocide there 's a very substantial amount of evidence uh, that what is happening is genocide uh, and this was an order to stop it uh, you know plainly its an, it, it 's an order to stop it and they may not have used the word ceasefire, but that amounts pretty much to ceasefire. It may well be uh, that the court hasn 't ruled out military action that stop stops short of what's been happening so far, that the court may view limited uh, anti-terrorist operations not causing a lot of civilian casualties uh, to be still viable. Um, that, that's a possible interpretation, but it's absolutely plain that what has been happening so far has to stop, and the court has ordered it to stop.
1: Uh, Chris, let's go to ruling uh, number two, which is pretty much redundant another 15 to 2.
0: By 15 votes to
1: 2, the state of Israel shall ensure with immediate
0: effect that its military does not commit any acts described in point 1
1: above. That's kind of obvious. Let's go to number 3, Chris, which is a 16 to 1 vote. By 16 votes to 1,
0: the state of Israel shall take all measures within its power to prevent and punish the direct and public incitement to commit genocide in relation to members of the
1: Palestinian group in the Gaza Strip. This is extremely uh, poignant, and in my view, aimed directly at the uh, Netanyahu government, uh, on the war cabinet of which sit two champions of genocide is the only way to describe these uh, two uh, gentlemen. And the court is ordering Israel to take measures to prevent those in the government and outside the government from whipping up the fires of genocide. And this is the first time we hear her use that word. What do you think, Ambassador?
2: Yeah, and it's it's all the more definite because uh, in the preceding uh, talk through the case, she actually quoted four instances of Israeli ministers making Co-genocidal statement. So this is very pointed indeed. You know, this is pointing a finger at those ministers whose statements she quoted. One of whom, of course, was the president of Israel. She quoted uh, a statement of genocidal intent from the president of Israel, uh, and now she's saying uh, that you know Israel has to take all measures uh, to prevent them. And she she also quoted um, earlier. A commitment by the Attorney General of Israel to prosecute people who have made uh, genocidal statements, and that's something which the court is going to be look, looking to see action from Israel on. So this is uh, this is very pointed indeed, and it is making it goes to the question of intent. Of course, you know it yes. it, it is making plain that there has been clear intent of genocide expressed by ministers and others, and by uh, military chiefs, and of course, others, downright to members of the public. Everyone has to stop it, and those that do it or have done it have to be punished.
1: You know, uh, getting into the weeds, into the middle of the words, into the meaning of words, into the value judgments expressed by the words, it's obvious uh, that the court recognizes that uh, there was genocidal intent and intent is not just uh, an academic argument. Intent is the linchpin for jurisdiction, meaning in plain English, if genocide occurred by accident, the court doesn't have jurisdiction. If genocide occurred by intent, the court does have jurisdiction. And it's clear that the court found that there was genocidal intent. I want to go to the last uh, ruling. Uh, It's very important in light of what happened in the uh, Security Council and in the Senate of the United States, Uh, ruling four, Chris. By 15 votes to
0: two, the State of Israel shall submit a report to the court on all measures taken to give effect to this order within one month as from the date of the order.
1: Senate of the United States of America voted 88 to 12 against requiring a report uh, from Prime Minister Netanyahu's government as a condition of the aid uh, that the American uh, government gives to the Israelis. And the um, U- U.S. ambassador to the UN vetoed uh, such a request uh, in the Security Council. I guess this ruling now goes to the Security Council, where the U.S. will veto it. And your former colleagues, who do whatever the U.S. wants, no criticism of you, of course. we will either go along with the veto or will abstain. It only takes one veto from a permanent member of the Security Council uh, to block any action. What do you think, Ambassador?
2: Yeah, no, that that is what's going to happen. This will go to the um, Security Council uh, where it will be vetoed by the United States. It's getting more difficult. I mean, Joe Biden uh, obviously has problems with key parts of his own uh, democratic coalition who are extremely unhappy about supporting genocide. Uh, And this ruling is going very much to strengthen their arm. And we we must remember that this case, which the ICJ has now declared is plausible and uh, is going to be heard. uh, Joe Biden had declared it meritless and he's now contradicted by 15 of the most senior judges on the planet. Um, so this gets more difficult for the United States, but I I'm, I don't doubt, just given everything in Biden's record, it will still be vetoed. Uh, then it will go back to the General Assembly. And while people say the General Assembly has no force, uh, it should be noted that a key part of today's judgment was the reading out of uh, a resolution of the General Assembly. Uh, right. uh, and the, the the ICJ has a very close relationship with the General Assembly. The General Assembly uh, asks the ICJ regularly for, for opinions uh, on, on matters before the General Assembly. So um, it, it will go back there, and there the United States will be humiliated. Um, some of its European allies will, will desert it because people start to worry about personal liability for complicity in genocide. Right. Uh, just to give one example, here in the UK, um, the Genocide Convention is incorporated into domestic legislation, uh, specifically in the uh, in the International Criminal Court Act of 2001, and complicity in genocide is an offence in law here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if the, if the ICJ rules uh, that this is a genocide, ultimately, uh, those who were shipping is weapons to Israel, those who were or- organizing surveillance flights, uh, uh, and to assist Israel in bombing Gaza, those who were passing intelligence to, to, to Israel, and, and the senior politicians who orphanized all of that, uh, they're all potentially uh, at risk of criminal charges, domestic charges uh, for complicity in genocide. And I, I'm quite sure that will be true in quite a number of countries. So I do think this has the potential to affect behavior of states.
1: Last question, and we have to go in a moment. Uh, How damaging is this to Israel in the international court of public opinion? Here in the U.S., it's obvious that Israel has lost the PR PR war. Uh, This certainly will proceed along that path, don't you think?
2: I think that's true. Um, It's also going to make it very, very difficult for the mainstream media to continue to, to mock. Uh, accusations of uh, genocide and to pretend that none of this is, is really happening. And, and you're right that um, Israel has lost the propaganda war, but it's lost it uh, because of people like your, your, your good self and many other citizens active on on essentially social media because the, the mainstream media has been appalling in its uh, pro-Israel bias across almost the, the, the entire Western world.
1: Ambassador uh, Craig Murray, it's a pleasure. We could talk all afternoon. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your time, sir. Uh, very much appreciated. Thank you. All right. We have more for you today. First of all, I, I will, and Professor Jeffrey Sachs will read uh, all the opinions and the dissents, and we will analyze those for you at 2 o'clock this afternoon, at 1 o'clock this afternoon, the roundtable. I said that in the wrong order. So at one this afternoon, Eastern, uh, Ray McGovern, Larry Johnson, on this very topic, what does this mean for Israel? What does it mean for the continuation of the war? Uh, And at two o'clock this afternoon, an academic serious analysis by Professor Saxon by me. Judge Napolitano, thank you so much for watching. The numbers are huge this morning. Uh, uh, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.